Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Frida Kahlo apparently didn't like the U.S. all that much, but she had a special relationship with San Francisco. She lived here for a bit and painted. She even married Diego Rivera at San Francisco City Hall. And the city loves her. Last year, a street was named after her. You see her image all over the place. But her legacy is also at the center of an argument between artists and the Frida Kahlo Corporation. I haven't sold much on Redbubble. Zezo, I had to stop because they required me to give money to Frida Kahlo Corporation. I had to quit. This month, there's a court hearing in San Francisco between a California artist and the corporation that wants to control how Frida Kahlo's name and image are used. Today, the fight over art and images of an anti-capitalist icon. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Chris Mello is a Brazilian-born artist. She lives in this tiny little town in Lake County called Nice. Chloe Veltman reports on arts and culture for KQED. She always thought of herself um, as somebody who loved making art. Most of it I work with watercolors because I just love the medium. She's a very spiritual person, not religious. But, um, you know, she, she, uh, she told me that sometimes she praise to Frida Kahlo. She loves Frida Kahlo. I would think of her and even speak to her spirit at the time to help me. She learned about her from a biography she read of the famous Mexican artist. And ever since then, she's basically been obsessed. My sister loaned me this book and I had never heard her name before. When I saw this book, I mean, I just fell in love immediately. As soon as I began to open the pages and I devoured the book, I read the whole thing. She began to identify a lot with the artist's pain, frankly. Chris is somebody who um, has some chronic health issues. She's also somebody who struggled a lot in her personal life with her relationship. I just related to her whole story, to her love for Diego, the fact that she would suffer so much in that relationship. Frida Kahlo, famously, was somebody who also struggled with her health, had uh, polio as a child, was involved in a horrible accident uh, when a tram hit a bus in Mexico City when she was young. And for the rest of her life, she suffered so much pain. She was wearing a brace. She couldn't walk very well. You talked about why Chris loves Frida Kahlo and, and her art um, and how she feels connected to, to Frida and her life and, and Frida's pain. Is that one reason why Frida Kahlo became so popular around the world? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about Frida Kahlo is she's sort of become this 
almost catch-all goddess, um, an icon for all kinds of people around the world. Um, LGBTQ people identify with her, people suffering from all sorts of pain. Also, she's become a feminist icon. So during her lifetime, she lived in Diego Rivera's shadow. But then about 20 years after she died, um, she was 47. This was 1954, I think, when she passed away. In the 70s, you start to see uh, biographies emerge of her. And then in 2002, um, there's this movie, this Frida biopic starring Salma Hayek. You a painter too, Mrs. Rivera. Just killing time. She's much better than me. And that's when basically her reputation goes through the roof. As Chris got more and more into Frida Kahlo, she started to make paintings featuring Frida. Chloe says these were whimsical, almost childlike images of Frida that were unique in their own way. And Chris didn't make any of her art expecting to sell it, at least at first. It's 2001 when uh, Chris Mello starts putting her work on eBay, and she had been a fan of Frida Kahlo for some time. She was gathering fans, people wanted her work. It was a wonderful way to celebrate Frida Kahlo, and she was making pretty good money. At the time, eBay was do, really doing well. I mean, I would refresh the computer every time, and there would be a new bid. It was amazing. It was so good. And so she's been doing this for years. Yeah, she had been doing this essentially since 2001, when she first saw other artists like her um, selling their Frida Kahlo-inspired works on these online marketplaces. But artists like her weren't the only people who were interested in sort of capitalizing on the Frida Kahlo brand. There was this Venezuelan businessman by the name of Carlos Dorado, um, and he was also interested in making money from Frida Kahlo, albeit on a completely different scale. Now, Frida Kahlo had left no will, and her estate fell to her niece, Isolde Pinedo Kahlo, who I think at this point was pretty elderly. And she hadn't done a lot with uh, Frida Kahlo's uh, brand, you know, her name, her image. And so basically Dorado teamed up with Isolde and they started to register trademarks in uh, Frida Kahlo's name and image for a variety of different products. And then they set about licensing a whole bunch of merch. Tell me about this merch. What are we talking about here? All sorts of things. There's Frida Kahlo tequila. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) There's um, Frida Kahlo Barbie doll, part of the Inspiring Women series and a source of uh, controversy. Let's go. The way they go about it is they make these big licensing deals with these major, other major corporations like Mattel, like Converse, like Ulta Beauty. But they don't stop at that. They have a brand protection agency based in Barcelona called Red Points, whose business it is to go around and troll the web looking for potential infringements of its trademark claims. And that's exactly what they were doing with Chris Mello. Ideally, they don't want to prevent artists from using uh, Frida Kahlo's name and image. What they really want from these online platforms is for the artists to join their official licensing programs and pay to make the art. And so where does Chris come into the picture? Well, Chris was happily making her art and selling it on online platforms um, like, for example, Etsy and Zazzle 
for many years. And then um, all of a sudden, in October of 2011, she gets this unexpected message. And it's from Zazzle, one of these online marketplaces where she's been quite happily uh, working with her customers. And it says that she's been infringing on trademarks that the Frida Kahlo Corporation owns. And they're going to take her work down. So what does Chris think when she gets this message and is told that she has to take down basically what her passions become? Oh, she is livid. I don't want to be spending a whole lot of time on on the technical parts. I want to paint. I want to create. I want my work to be there for the customers to see and not have to redo things constantly. Also, it's pretty scary for her. I mean, she is feeling isolated. She has health issues. She is trying to eke out a living in this small town in Lake County. And suddenly she feels threatened. See, this gets scary. Yeah, now the print has gotten smaller. Yeah. So can you can you read that out to me? Filing a counter notice. So this gets very legal and it's scary to any artist because we don't have money for lawsuits. So Chris kept getting these notices from these online marketplaces saying her work is being taken down. But she told Chloe that these notices seemed kind of random. It was hard to tell why some of her work was removed while some of it stayed up. And it turns out she wasn't the only artist running into this problem. There's one artist that I spoke with who stopped making her art. Completely. Completely. I mean, her Frida art. Yeah. Yeah, she was making these beautiful Frida Kahlo dolls. And on her website, there was a notice that said, I'm not doing this anymore. So Chris uh, was feeling desperate, but she eventually went on social media and she started to find other artists who were experiencing the same problem and they all got to talking. And then it was through this conversation and this sort of community that's building, this very disgruntled community of artists, that Chris gets introduced to this lawyer who's here in the Bay Area. Her name is Rachel Lamkin. And Rachel is a Frida Kahlo fan. And she's also uh, somebody who traveled to Mexico and heard about Carlos Dorado and was pretty upset about what was going on. And the two of them decided to team up and, and launch this lawsuit against the Frida Kahlo Corporation in federal court here in San Francisco. But it's just one of several lawsuits that this lawyer, uh, Rachel Lamkin, this IP lawyer, is involved in right now against the corporation. And so what are these lawsuits trying to to get at the end? They're trying to wrestle back some of the power from the Frida Kahlo Corporation. They're not trying to prevent the corporation from going about its business of making Frida Kahlo tequila and 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 uh, <laughs> and, and licensing Frida Kahlo tweezers, yeah, no matter how leave strange that, to that the might corporation. be. There you go. Yeah. What they want to make sure is that artists like Chris Mello can can continue to to make their work. In, in the way they've been making it since long before this corporation was founded. Since you've been reporting this story, what questions do you have looking forward? Well, I think just these sorts of broader questions I have about when will it stop? You know, this kind of monster that seems to be taking over more and more of the creative space in a way. You know, the ownership of, of our great cultural icons is just one example. But it, it's very hard now to know what you can create at all based on something that already exists. It's really the the digital landscape is what's really changed the face of of our relationship to intellectual property and by extension to our cultural icons. Chris Mello stopped making her Frida art for a while, but she's since picked it back up and has been putting it online for sale. 
Chloe says, if anything, she feels more empowered now. I feel like Frida's spirit is carrying us through through this work. I feel like she's behind this and, and uh, helping us. A judge will hear legal arguments from both sides and decide whether to dismiss Chris's lawsuit or to stop the Frida Kahlo Corporation from taking down any more of Chris's work until the case is over. Thanks to Chloe Veltman, arts and culture reporter for KQED. The Bay is taking Monday off to recognize Martin Luther King Jr., so we won't have an episode for you, but I actually recommend checking out the latest column by KQD's Pendarvis Harshaw, which connects the struggles Dr. King was trying to overcome with the world that we live in today. We'll leave you a link in our episode notes. This episode was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and editor Ellen Montecilio. KQD's leadership team includes Julie Kane, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. We will talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.